Welcome to After the Fact, a Knowing Faith mini-episode where we look to take a big question and address it in just a few minutes. Typically, the questions we consider will line up with our larger topic for the season, and that's certainly true for our time today. This season on Knowing Faith, we are discussing Genesis 1 through 11, and I get the privilege today to chat with Dr. Ken Keithley. Dr. Keithley is the Senior Professor of Theology and Director of the L. Russ Bush Center for Faith and Culture at the Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. He is the author of Salvation and Sovereignty, A Molinist Approach. He is the co-author of 40 Questions About Creation and Evolution. Dr. Keithley, welcome to After the Fact. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. So here is the question for today. What is a crucial but often forgotten essential about the Christian doctrine of creation? What's something that's absolutely essential to a meaningful, coherent Christian doctrine of creation, but that we often overlook or forget? Uh, Well, uh, the doctrine of creation can be summed up in one sentence, and that is that the triune God, without opposition or equal, and without the use of pre-existing materials, created the world uh, by his will and for his good pleasure. And so, you know, there's a lot, each, each one of those phrases is loaded. Um, one of the things that uh, uh, most people pay attention to is the idea that he did use no pre-existing materials, uh, creatio ex nihilo. Uh, that is, and the reason for that is, is to, because uh, God is truly sovereign over that which he created. Uh, it is not that he is one of many deities that who he happens to be the one that created the world and that the world is made out of some kind of pre-existing material or divine stuff in which um, he had to battle it and defeat it and subdue it, which would, would really impugn on the doctrine of God's sovereignty. We don't find any of that in Genesis chapter one. The thing that I would say many people forget is that last expression that he created uh, according to his goodwill and pleasure. That is God has freedom. He is a free God. Mm. He would have been just as glorious if he had never created at all. Uh, It would have taken away none of his excellencies if throughout all eternity he had remained the sum total of reality. It isn't that he got lonely and created because uh, he was a perfect society of fellowship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that loved one another with a perfect love, that all of the glories and excellencies were already experienced in a maximal way. Uh, no, he created uh, as an act of, of pure grace. It is a gratuitous action. And he Mm. could have created a world different than the one that he did um, if he had so chosen and if it had been according to his goodwill and good pleasure. So we want to preserve the freedom of God in creating uh, because I think that is just as essential uh, because you do have some who think that God somehow needed to create and that somehow creation fulfills some lack that he had. And the Bible makes it very clear that neither of those things are true, Uh, that God is um, complete uh, and sufficient in of himself, and we add nothing to his glory. Now, we have been graciously given the privilege of glorifying him, Uh, but that is a gracious privilege. And so I think that is something that is forgotten, uh, the freedom of God in creating. That's, you know, so I think that's a really good point. I, I, 
Mike, uh, maybe a little follow-up question here. If we lose God's freedom in creating, what do we lose about God? Like how, how does that compromise a, a, not only a coherent view of God, but a persuasive view of God? Well, uh, for example, this means that everything God did, he did by necessity, that he mm. could not have done otherwise. Uh, that for some reason, whether it was internal or external, he was somehow compelled that he could not have done otherwise. Uh, I think that we all recognize intuitively that this puts a constraint on the character of uh, or the the nature of God in a way that doesn't sound very godlike. Right. Uh, and and so so um, it, it it is no infringement or no uh, restriction on God to say that God always operates within the constraints of his nature. Right. In other words, God is a good God. God is a holy God. God is a righteous God. So therefore, he always operates righteously, uh, lovingly, uh, in a way that is pure. Uh, but within within that framework of his nature, there are an infinite number of pos- uh, of uh, there's an infinite number of uh, uh, options available to him. Yeah. He could have not saved Ken Keefley, uh and still would have been just as glorious as he is. Yeah. Uh, but he he ordained a world in which I would be saved. Yeah. So this this was a free act on his part. Right. Uh, and so regardless of one where one. Uh, comes out on the Calvinist-Arminian debate and everywhere, and I'm kind of in between. Um, the point is, is that I think all of us want to preserve uh, the freedom of God uh, in this way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dr. Keithley, that is, I think, a really good answer this, to the question, what is a crucial but often forgotten essential about the doctrine of creation, that God is free in his act of creation. Thank you for joining us today. I appreciate it. 